Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. To the 40, 35, into the 30, cut back 25, into the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! This is the best bad idea we have, sir. Well, 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 Bill. We are the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack. Joined today by Bill. We are back. How about it? We are back, aren't we? I mean... Back back, getting the band back together. Inaugural return show. A restart, a refresh, if you will. If you will. So uh, I'm I'm gonna we'll get to sports. Um, I always thought I know I put a post on Facebook. I know never not everyone looks at Facebook or has Facebook. So um, I apologize, guys. We went away for a little while. I think that I did a show where I explained, you know, right around the holidays that my wife went in the hospital, my father went in the hospital. Um, so I kind of put this on the back burner because I could only, you know, only had the energy to do so much. The unfortunate part is. Through that, after that time, my dad did come home, and then he went straight back into the hospital. And uh, unfortunately, when he went back in, he didn't come back out. Um, and uh, for anybody that's lost anybody close to them or whatever else, uh, it's very hard to get to your hobbies when you're, you're dealing with things. So I unfortunately did lose my um, father on what's going on two weeks now. Um, I've mentioned dozens of times that the reason we started this show for the most part was so I could have an excuse to talk fantasy football more. Um, it's a little bit of a sore thing because my father did fantasy football before I did um, and was part of the league that I started that's been in existence since like 2004. So um, it was a tough loss. Um, it was tough to go through, but you know I'm not going to sit here and say, and, and now two weeks later, I'm great. But now, two weeks later, I'm ready to start adjusting to what my life's going to be. And some of that is getting back to the things that I need to do to keep myself sane. And some of that is talking to you fine people, especially you, Billy. Oh, shucks. I, I like my idea better to where we, you know, where we had a falling out and I dropped a leg drop on you and I joined the NWO and now I'm back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, we like, do that. I like that idea. Hollywood Swerve, Dozer. bro. Swerve. <laughs> Hollywood Dozer. It could happen. It Why could not? Happen. Stranger things have. This is true. So, um, in our time off, we're now rolling up to the NFL draft is, you know, about a month away. Six weeks, the greatest, I guess. The greatest show on earth. Oh, yeah. And, um, they had the I, I, the combine, I guess, was like last week or the week before. Oh, I took I take vacation time from work to watch it. Um, my, my favorite aspect is the measuring of the hands. Oh, <laughs> just gets me every time. Um, yeah, and I thought that one of like a nice like light or easy topic for us to 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 get our feet wet again is a little bit about 
is it I is it the NFL? <laughs> is it the NFL's fault that we put so much fandom hopes and dreams into the draft? Or like I, I, I wouldn't say it's the NFL's fault. Their marketing ratings and ad sales, and that's what they do. They overhype everything. From a schedule release to a hand measuring contest to bench pressing to everything. It's overhyped and it just meets the 24 hour news cycle that we've come to know and not love, quite frankly. No, uh, well, here's like, here's part of like where I, I, I want to kind of make sure we, we, we move in some type of order here. So I can understand being excited about the draft if, the team, right? Like, we're Flyers fans. I'll be excited about the draft because what else am I going to be excited about? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, if, if the Flyers had a chance to trade what should be a top five pick for an all-star caliber player, you do it. Right? And I feel like we've gotten to this weird world where draft picks are valued more than – it's like the unopened car, pack of baseball cards. Somehow – because you don't know what's in it. And I don't know. You know, like, it just feels very weird to me that, like, we have come to look at draft picks as if they're gold when more times than not they're fool's gold. I, I feel the same way. I've always been a proponent of you trade for the known rather than the unknown. And I'm slowly realizing that I might be part of a minority there. But, I mean, drafts are pretty much a crapshoot. And it, it might be controversial to say. People may not like it. But as much study goes into it, as much thought goes into it, as much scouting goes into it, nobody really knows. If they did, they'd have a crystal ball. There's barometers that you could – garner a, a good guess I suppose but it's unlike it's not like anything else you're taking a shot in the dark at a kid a kid and, well that's, that's really the, the the thing is like you're you're resting the hopes and dreams and for teams millions of dollars to tens of millions of dollars in what is it a child um, I don't have kids you don't have kids but I remember how stupid I was even at 21. I basically was a kid. Um, and uh, you're, you're pinning all of these hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And at the same time, not being realistic in like the hit rates, no matter how good you are at picking it, at developing, they're low. They're lower than where in order. So in order to put much emphasis on it, the the likelihood of hitting is too low to to put all of that weight to it, you know. And I I believe that like not that I'm going to say it's replicable, but the Rams year and even you know they've been a contender. They've only moved for players. They pretty much went the hell with the draft. Did they even have picks? No, no. So. And who won the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. Jeez, who was it? Was it... The Bengals? 
did did um no um it was, yeah, was no oh jeez Jaguars. Oh, man. It definitely was who had the number one pick, right? It definitely was the Jags. Yeah, the, the number one pick usually wins. They do so well developing. Miami and all their picks, did they win? was a Miami, even though they were told to lose intentionally, but they didn't get punished. Um, but if you bet on them, if you bet on them losing intentionally, you get it, you're suspended. <laughs> so silly. So, um, in that regard, like, part of, like, the issue, right, is that, like, in your best draft, you know, couple years, maybe you hit at a 60% rate, which would be ridiculous, you know, and hitting is defined very loosely. Like, is it a guy who lasts in the league a couple years? Do they have to make it to the Pro Bowl? They have to be a Hall of Fame contender. Like, what is hitting? And, 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 you know, what does it actually mean? And I just feel like we've been sold a little bit on, like, this is how you build your team. And I don't know if this dates back to, like, the infamous Herschel Walker for nothing but picks move. And since it worked out so well for Dallas, we've all kind of been like, well, you never do what, you know, Minnesota did. Um, or New Orleans did with uh, Ricky Williams. Rick, with Ricky Williams. And I think sometimes we overvalue, and we're going to do it with the Rams now, right? We, we were just talking about it, but we overvalue something that's not the normal. And we want to make it into a thing. And I just feel like we've we've gotten to a place where like, uh, going to turn it around, going to turn it around when I'm not saying you can get away with drafting poorly, I'm just saying nobody's great at it. No. No. You know, people give Howie Roseman a lot of flack, me, myself included. I won't be above that because I, I give him a little bit of flack. But, I mean, it, it happens everywhere. Tom Brady got passed over six different, six times by all every team in the league. Shit happens. DK Metcalf got passed over twice by every team in the league. I think the Justin Jefferson pick, non-pick, was worse than the DK Metcalf pick for that reason. Clearly. I mean, Jefferson is is not a flash in the pan. He's got two years of great production, right? Like, um, obviously. Two more, two more years than Jalen Rager has. It's unfortunate for, for Rager um, because I don't know that anybody had him pegged for a, being a first-round pick for being a 1A or 1B receiver. I don't think that that was... He was kind of a gadget guy. Um, yeah. Like a like a Cordero Patterson. You know, like... And because De- some Devin team... Hester, Devin Hester, right. maybe. Right. Hey, uh, not not in, yeah. No, but in that, that's what kind of the expectation was. And then somebody went and reached, and it's not his fault that that happened. And I'm not yeah. saying, you know, like... He could have. It's. I feel bad for the for the guy, and I'm not saying he couldn't have made anything better on himself. I'm just saying like you can't help where you get picked, and you are who you are. You know, like and if he would have gone, you know, late second, like I think that's around where he was projecting. Nobody would bat an eye about what he's developed into. Probably not. 
no. And that's unless, unless there was a DK Metcalf type. Yeah, but that happens all the time. A guy falls and a guy rises. That happens all the time, right? Sammy Watkins went before Julio Jones. It happens. And Watkins has had good years. And Watkins has had good years, but Julio Jones is a Hall of Famer. You know, like, it happens every year. No, it... it, uh, We're not paid the millions of dollars to make those decisions. or, or We're not looking at those charts that they're looking at, you know? That being said, every team is guilty of a Sean Bradley-like pick at some point. It has to be. We just don't hear about it because we don't, you know, hone in on everybody else's draft mistakes. Right. So I just, like, personally feel like we need to, like, chill out with, oh, I can't, you know, like with the Flyers, it's like, I can't believe they gave up a first for Ristolainen. Look at what, look at what the Flyers have drafted over the last, you know, during Ron Hextall's tenure and what they've developed into. A lot of potential that hasn't developed. Potential is a dirty word, isn't it? That it is. Unfortunately, that it is. My point is, is that, okay, so what? You know, like, who knows what that pick would have been? Who knows? knows? And it was in a particularly... Bad draft, you know, or tough draft to scout. So, like, when I look at it and people, I can't believe you gave up a first for this. So that's too much. And it's like, what is a draft pick? The draft pick is like, it's like a um, beanie baby. It's only worth what you think it's worth, or what someone's willing to pay for it. It's, it's I, a, I, actually, it's funny you say that. I watched the documentary about beanie babies the, uh, the other week. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Actually, they're weirdos, but pretty well, interesting. But it's like the classic. Literally has no value and only did because people placed value on it. Crazy value, bro. Yeah. Crazy. Well, it, it sky went to the moon and then crashed, you know, like very quickly. It was very fast rise, very fast fall. And, but draft capital, draft value is really dependent on what the person before you and after you deems it to be. And what they deem certain players going, and to to you know, as fans, we should not be worrying about what you paid in draft capital to get a player. I just think that we've gone amok with how we value draft picks, and I start to feel that way, kind of when the Sixers went through the process, and you see all these top three picks, guys who were consensus, they weren't reaches. There wasn't a player that the Sixers took where they took them when they had early picks that anybody scratched their head at. And one of them. I mean, one of them developed into a probable Hall of Famer. One of them developed into a you know borderline all-star that's got emotional problems. Well, emotional problems, I think, Fultz and Simmons. We drafted two guards that couldn't shoot. That's pretty... That's, That's ballsy. But and you and they also drafted. They drafted two guards who couldn't shoot, and they drafted a back to the basket big man in a time where that's not valuable. Who couldn't can play you, defense? Can you imagine that? So they all drafted the, two. All the, work, all the work that went into that. Two guards that couldn't shoot and a big man who couldn't play D. It's seemingly impossible. The the draft picks that we have. You had, you had four in the top three. Yeah. And only one hit. 
and they didn't make any crazy moves. My my favorite is those the, the people saying we gave up too much for Harden, include the draft picks in that gave up too much. Yeah, when we watched them and our top eight protected. Because the problem you know, is that with that we've hit on Thibel and Maxi. Well, you definitely hit on Maxi. Thibel yeah. is people love him. It's debatable. Look, he's look, he's a nice role player. He's a fringe starter. He's I don't a know. Starter, agree, but people, I know, I can like the guy. Well, I like him. He's a nice player. I, it's a I classic Philadelphia guy. thing. It's a classic Philadelphia thing, Thibel. I think he's a nice player, and I don't want it to make you know, come off like I think like, oh man, he stinks. That's not what I'm saying. Just this is a classic Philly thing because he plays good defense and fits a, a good role. Will love him and while simultaneously hating Harris, right? Like that's a very makes Philadelphia thing. Makes too much money, John. Makes too much money. You know. <laughs> I'm so, so I'm so sick of the play. No one ever says these owners are making way too much money. This is out of control. I'll never. They I mean, need to, they need to. They need to pick their their owner model is that their owner performance isn't up to standards they're making too much money which i guess will bring us to our next point which is a very good segue that you brought us to billy oh thank you i like the segue yeah, oh, let's subway. You... <laughs> um so baseball just settled their lockout i don't really know that it was a player sh- strike as much as it was an owner lockout yeah it was a lockout um but I think that I think that the salary cap is a is a lie, as we tend to believe it to be. That's a lie. So obviously, Are you saying we're fooled. <laughs> well, it depends how you look at it, right? So, in a couple ways, I think it's it's built on a house of cards, maybe even out of silly string and popsicle sticks. Um, so if you think that the salary cap brings competitive balance, that's a lie. It brings the illusion of competitive balance or parity. I don't believe it actually does. It's a, it's a fair statement because it doesn't. I mean, everyone wants the parity that the NFL has, but in no other sport does that exist. Well, because they're not all equal, right? So we tend to say that the football has the parity because, um, because they have a salary cap, but they also have one game a week and only one game a week in a sixteen, well now seventeen game season, right? And any team in a one versus one matchup can win, right? The Sixers stole a game from the Lakers in the finals, right? In a one in a one game series, you can get more variation. When you spread that out over eighty two, that change or one hundred sixty three in baseball, that changes. The better teams are going to separate themselves because you're play you're playing each other each other enough that the randomness of a very important player is going to be missing. You're going to eliminate the randomness of just Oh, you know, they had a hard time throwing the ball in the weather. You know, um, 
you're going to eliminate some of that randomness. That's that's one. And then the playoffs are seven game series, five to seven game series, and not a one and done. That changes everything. Throw, couple that into the non-guaranteed contracts of football where you can kind of get out. You have one year of pain if you really need to get out of a bad contract. In the other sports, you can't. No. They, be, they become albatrosses that you can't move. You have games. one. And not only can you not move them, but it doesn't even have to necessarily be a bad deal, like a quote-unquote bad deal. It just has to be a mediocre deal that it can really hamstring you. Right, you overpay for one free agent by a small margin when you're talking about your overall cap space, and it affects you for five plus years. In some cases, yeah. In, yeah in, I mean, we were, Sixers were shit ass lucky to get rid of that whole Warford contract. I thought we were done for years. Well, and then it becomes your ability to manipulate the game, the cap, which I don't know that that's good for fans or the sport. Nah, it becomes a game, a cat and mouse game. That's really unnecessary when when you look at it. And then yeah, the- I get I get what they try to do with the salary cap, where you don't want Jerry Jones's spending. Just really, really- yeah, but I don't know that that's necessarily a, a recipe for success either. It hasn't. I mean, the Yankees spent more than anybody else, and they they aside from you know a run there, they haven't won. Regularly since once nine, right? Yeah, since oh nine, and he, and then you know, that's thirteen years of spending more than anybody else, pretty much top three, anyway. But the other p- part is is okay. So the caps exist, right? In in all major in all four major sports, there's some version of a salary cap. Now you tell me. I believe I know the answer. In, in baseball, they call it a luxury tax. But in effect, it's in effect. It's a in effect. It's a salary cap. It's a version of a salary cap. We'll talk about the other three sports. Not every team spends to the cap ceiling, right? No, no. And then on the flip side, not every team spends at the cap floor. Correct. So if the cap itself is supposed to bring competitive balance, why are some teams choosing not to spend to the ceiling? Because they want to make more money. Right. So if you instituted some type of luxury tax system or and or looked at reinventing how you're 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 doing your contracts, does it actually change the dynamic all that much? Because you have teams that are actively choosing to spend less than other teams. So just because right. another team can per, look per, to spend... Right? Going to base the Pirates. The Marlins. The Marlins. The Marlins are going to spend a dime. And they're successful, and relatively. And that's why... Nah, I wouldn't say successful. They've had, For a, what? They've had a couple of fluke World Series, yeah. But I mean... Compare, but you know, I mean, like the farm, the farm system's great, and then they get, you know, they leave. Right, right. But is that so? I guess my next question is: Is it bad? Is it bad for any professional league for a star of some caliber to go to a market that doesn't have one? It's very bad in my eyes. Absolutely, you get they go away to rot pretty much 
I mean, you don't get the endorsement deals. You don't get the notoriety. No, 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 no. No, what I'm saying is, so say that young player goes for bigger money. Okay. To a bigger market. Uh-huh. Is that bad for the game? I don't feel it is, no. Right. So what, what, I'm, so what I'm saying is, is, again, we can look at it, Marlins, we can take hockey, for example, too, right? So and and we're biased, right? Because we're in a we're in a large market. But say, young player X decides, you know what? I don't want to play in in a half empty building, even though we're a good team. In, say, I don't know, pick random city where they can't. Yeah, you know, in Arizona, right? They can't sell a ticket. Right. I've come up. I, you know, score 50 points a season. And this is obviously a fictional character. I'm a free agent now. I'm going to go sign with the Flyers. Is that bad for the game? I don't think it is, no. Is it bad for the players? No, absolutely not. So what are we fighting to prop up teams who can't sell tickets for? Because you have to have 32 teams. And also for for owners, say the Ottawa Senators, notoriously cheap team. If they choose that they want to stay at the cap floor, why are we rewarding them? I don't know how much they're getting rewarded. They're getting rewarded because another team who would choose to go above it can't. So it, it locks teams into mediocrity, a lot of teams, but it also locks teams into signing. Uh, if you're at the cap, you can't, you're not going to go over it, you know, so then you've got to be playing games. So it, it, if teams don't have the cap space to afford another, uh, a big name contract, then that, it's not good for that player either because he's going to be capped at what he can get. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? The ceiling itself can be... An albatross. In a hypothetical sense, I don't think they want that this this spending disparity to be to be a thirty million dollar payroll versus a four hundred million dollar payroll. Right, and for hockey itself, they kind of needed a cap because a lot of teams got themselves into trouble. Right. Yeah. That being said, if you went to a luxury tax system, it actually would help those smaller market teams. Which is what baseball has. It would help them because that money would go into the in into this revenue sharing, and it would give teams. So, like I, I've been likening the Flyers to the Knicks, um, and it would give it's, those teams a shitty that, comparison if you're a Flyers fan, but an accurate one. Do you think I love saying it? <laughs> I can't imagine. So no, is, our I, Lee, is, is our Spike Lee gritty then? I I don't know. You know, hockey doesn't have the star power of bringing in, you know, those kind of fans. The the boards separate those things, you know. A little bit. But my point is, is that the Knicks have been a middling franchise for 12, 13 years. The Flyers have been a middling franchise for about that time. They get in the playoffs here and there. They're never really a contender. Um, And is that good 
is it good for different, and again, it's easy for me to say, but I'm also not the Knicks, right? So I can, I'll say this on behalf of Knicks fans. I don't know that they want me speaking for them. Is it good for the sport to have you, you know, having to, to pay a certain amount and then locking yourself in the contract and then never really being able to compete, but you have to put a team on the court? Right, And I just feel like that's where the Flyers are. They're not really going to be able to... They can't afford to sign a big name because they're always towards the cap ceiling. Right. And there's no... So then you have to make these weird choices about do I get player X who's $4 million or player Y who's $6 million, and neither of them are good enough to push you over the top. But you have to do it to compete. And what do you do in that situation? Because you can never get out from any contract and you never, you know, like... Unless you get really lucky with a pick or two, you're just kind of stuck. And the reality is, is I feel like, for the most part, the good teams in basketball have been the good teams for a little while. And the bad teams have been the bad teams for a little while. And it's been the same in hockey. Um, And I don't know that having a cap solves that. And I feel like we've been sold a bill of goods that having everybody spend up to the same amount keeps your competition in in balance, and it doesn't. Uh, It doesn't appear to, no. It it just doesn't. You might have some, you might have random changes, you know, you might have a random team go deep here or there, you might have a random team make it in the playoffs and then not make it in. For the most part, the teams that have been good have just been good. And the teams that haven't, haven't. I mean, the the exception right now would be like Chicago in hockey, where they were really good and haven't recovered from lo- from bleeding talent that they had to after their cup teams. Um, other than that, reference? even the well Detroit that's been a little while. A little while, yeah. yeah. But it's Chicago is your the golden years. Yeah, but Chicago is really your your only one, right? Like Pittsburgh has been good pretty much since 05 Washington has been good for about that long you know like yeah there's not much when you look at the vision winners there's not much change you have a blip of the blues you know but otherwise there's not much change and it all started here with Gloria yeah right (laughs) but my, my point is is if you believe that the cap is what brings parity, you're wrong. And I don't think it's good for fans, personally. I just don't think it's good for fans. And that's what you should care about, no? It's what you should, but, you know, like... Like, yeah, look at basketball, and while it's, like, mostly true, the reality is, is, like, those players get moved around all the time. And I just feel like all that just, you know, like... But even in basketball, pretty much what, like the Lakers have been good. Golden State was great for a little bit. But, you know, you don't get that much change in basketball either. But you can at least feel players move and teams try a little bit more. But I still think the cap isn't helping anybody. But they've gotten creative with what they do with contracts. They've gotten creative in in exceptions and different things like that. Yeah. Which is what you have to do, I and mean, you got to play, a, like I said, a cat and mouse game. You get under it's, the cat, do this, that, and the other, and restructure, and 
that's why I don't think it makes much. It doesn't make as much sense if everybody hangs their hat on it, and I just don't think it makes as much sense as everybody. It's a little much. It's, a little much. Is that what I want? Is like the sport to be dictated by a, a, an executive in an office who's a better accountant than in, on another team? That's what it comes down to. Accountant. It's basically what it comes down to. And then no, you don't know. Kind of on the next note, and we'll just segue straight in when it comes to accountants, right? Um, you and I had an, had an offline discussion about analytics, and I know it's easy for non-math people to beat up on, on analytics. Um, but I also feel like we're trying to use numbers to solve things that they can't. And I don't want to have a discussion about why Jokic is better than Embiid or Embiid is better than Jokic and someone pulls out a chart. <laughs> a pie graph. Yeah, like, come on. You know, you're going to bring up statistics that no one really knows what it means. You know, well, in and... the fourth quarter between the seventh and ninth minute, Jokic outscores Embiid by 0.7 points per game. He shoots at a clip of 0.1% better. It's just like... It's a deluge of information. Well, and it's... I'm trying to think of like... Because I know that this has been like a tangent I've gone on a, on a couple times. But sports to you? a certain... Yeah, you? me. Me, now. Sports to a yeah. certain degree. Like, analytics works really well in baseball. No, it Right? Doesn't. Yeah, well... <laughs> to, a, to a certain extent, it, it does. To a certain extent, it, it only works a certain amount. But it's very it work with the box office and in the ratings. Now, well, and that's that's a different question, right? That's a whole different question. Because I agree with you, it doesn't make this sport more fun for the fan because everybody Absolutely. plays it safe, right? Because yeah. everybody plays it safe. But in that regard, I can understand using statistics more in baseball because it is like pitch. You know, swing, miss, hit. You know, like it's very like there's only one ball moving at one player and no other players are moving while that's happening. You know, like you can't uh, – the pitcher throws it and then the third baseman runs at the batter to try and block his swing or the catcher tries to grab his bat. You know, like less, – less, less variables. Bingo. Bingo. To Thank you for bringing it back to ninth grade algebra. So, yes, there are I less variables. Back in my youth. <laughs> Were you a mathlete? I was. I wasn't a mathlete because I didn't get into groups. <laughs> Tried to be an intelligent John Bender. Um, but point being is, is I can at least to a certain extent understand heavy reliance in baseball. In basketball, in hockey... I don't get the love of it as much. There's just way too many variables. And and hockey coaches sneer at it. I read an article. They just, yeah. You know, pretty much. Be, and I, and I, I kind of get the basketball aspect of it a little bit. But at the end of the day, the best coaches aren't heavily involved in athletics. They use think- it as a tool. You think Pop? You think Pop is sitting there looking at at fucking nineteen charts? I doubt that Pop does that. 
I doubt that John Calipari does it. I doubt that Jay Wright does it. They'll say they do just to not get known as a dinosaur, so to speak. But Jay, Jay Wright doesn't coach by a computer. Neither, neither probably does Bill Belichick. And we're talking about the pinnacle of sports here. Yeah, I just I think that the, again I do do I think that they have a place? Sure, they have a place, but I don't want to have an average sport conversation and have someone pull out a fucking graphing calculator. You know, like come they on, can't just, be the, they can't be the be all end all. It's the same to me. It's the new generation of the person who watched the highlights and thinks that they understood what happened in the game. You're trying to bring scientific principles to an unscientific sport. No, there's science and there's art, right? And statistics can only explain so much. They might tell you who, who you want shooting the ball contested late. Fine, that makes sense. So do your right? eyes. So do your eyes, right? Sometimes players just hot. You want to you want to feed them, you know. And I just I who just feel like who you give the ball to James Butler or Furkan Korkmaz? I mean, do you really need a chart to tell you that? I mean, I'd give it to Furk. Stop it. Grow off Peter Pan. Count Chocula. I'd give Ferk a plane ticket out of here is what I would do. <laughs> well, he's I don't know how much action he's gonna see between now and the end of the season either. Your lips to God's ears, pal. If you have children, may they walk through life with the confidence that Furcon has in his three point shot. That's what all I'm gonna say. He's got Bret Hart like confidence. He does. He does. So I mean, the, those are the right. Those are the main topics I wanted to make sure we brushed upon in our return. Something fun-ish um, that we could, you know, get get our feet back under us um, a bit. So on a less fun topic, I don't know if you know this. The Sixer season's over. I didn't get. I read the paper today. It wasn't in there. It's over. They are lost sure? one. Yeah, they lost one game. Season's done. So is it like March Madness where they're done? Like a conference tournament? Why well, play the rest of the games out? We know they're done. Brooklyn's the word is just, out on them? The word is out of the street? They're, it's over? It's over. Brooklyn's better. Why play the games? It's over. Shit. What am I going to watch now? James Harden was the worst trade in the history of sports. And, I miss uh, something great that I'm and the season's over. So, you know, it was fun. It was a fun five games with Harden here, but now we learned what everybody clearly already knew. He's done. His career's over. He Six likes to party too much, I heard. You know, everybody doesn't... I don't know of anybody to go out and have a drink when they had a rough day at work. Nobody Certainly does that. Me. Nobody does Certainly that. Certainly not me. Cracks open beer. <laughs> Certainly not I. And and you and I both know I hate the strip club. Ew, yucky. You? No. This guy, it's somebody's daughter up there. Some, probably somebody's mother up there too. What's that? So it's also probably somebody's mother up there too. Only in Mayfair, my friend. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we're canceled. <laughs> I've always wanted to join forces with Joe Rogan. Big fan. <laughs> Cancel culture. 
So, um, yeah, clearly in Philadelphia, when the going gets tough, we take our ball and go home. Ben got the last laugh. He's on a from, dynasty. From the bench in a sweater. I honestly thought it was – I was naive, I guess, to my Golden Knights. But I thought it was a, a Vegas Golden Knight hockey jersey. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think it was whatever. A, I think it was a Gucci sweater. <laughs> it was It was uh, Louis, Louis Vuitton. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, Obviously, I don't, I don't delve in them circles. I'm an Under Armour guy, so I don't delve in Louis Vuitton circles. So I was naive to the fact. I'm like – why is he wearing a Golden Knights alternate jersey? Figured it was a game where I didn't catch their jersey. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it was, it was Louis Vuitton, the Mr. T chain. Well, he got the last laugh. Smirking son of a bitch. The Brooklyn Knights, or uh, Brooklyn Knights, Jesus, you got me all over the place. The Brooklyn Nets are clearly going to shoot over 67% every game from here on out. Kevin Durant won't miss another game from now until the end of the season. I'm sure Kyrie Irving's just straightened out whatever he's got to straighten out. You know, I'm sure he's, you know, walking that fine line. Well, you he's know. A stellar of professionalism. An anonymous Brooklyn Nets executive said that Kyrie used to beat Harden every day in scrimmage and told him he's washed up. And that's why Harden wanted out. You're being facetious there, aren't you? That's not an actual report. It was a report by an anonymous it was Brooklyn. A report. I don't know if it was from Ballsack Sports, though. To quote the great Uncle Eddie, you serious, Clark? I, I, believe, I believe so, yes. Um, I don't think that's a corner of the internet I've gotten to. What, Ballsack Sports? Considering Ball- Kyrie really hasn't practiced, has he, since he didn't get the jabby jab? Uh, he, I guess when they're out of Brooklyn, he can practice. I thought he wasn't with the team up until everybody on the team got COVID, including all my fantasy players. <laughs> uh, hmm. I'm going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure I saw that quote. That's cray cray. That's interesting. Interesting. Because I'm sure, you know, NBA practices are the be-all, end-all, and everyone goes all in. We are talking about practice here, right? Well, I mean... Not a, not a game. Not a game. Practice. No. I think I might have been gotten by um, ball sack sports, but um, anyway... You've got regardless... beaten by a ball sack. You've got beaten by a ball sack. I mean, so I do have a Kyrie Irving reportedly hoped James Harden would get traded. There was an issue between the two of them. There was, obviously. And I'm telling you, I had read a rumor that said that, like, Kyrie, it was was based around Kyrie Irving telling him he he was washed up. And it wasn't a game where Harden went out and had, like, a 30-point triple-double. But, yeah. Uh, That being said... That's horrific to learn. Yeah. I don't know how I'll be able to cut, you know, Kyrie Irving is the be-all, end-all. It's, um, 
I don't. How many games has has Durant played over the last two years? Mm, I don't have the information off the top of my head, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say not enough. Not a lot. I mean, would they play together all three? 17 games, was it? Or seven? Seven or 17? I know it ended with a seven. Uh, Yeah, it was not many. So last year, um, Durant played 35. And this year so far, he's played 40. So he's he's a half and half guy. I mean, last year they had the abbreviated schedule, and he came off of the. So he plays half. He plays half the games, which is very good of him. My 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 point is is at this point in his, like, what I try to do, and and I think Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, is the best basketball player in the game today. Um, he knows how to shoot a little bit. He's he might be able to pull a little couple passes out his ass. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I think he's injury prone. I'm just going to say that typically guys of Kevin Durant's age, when they start missing a lot of games, don't all of a sudden start playing a lot, playing a lot of games. We've seen enough sports to know that once those injuries start happening, they keep happening. And keep happening and keep happening. Right. Like that's just... Just who he is. I'm just, just stating. Well, it just look, guys who can play. How old is Durant now? I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. Feels like he's been forever. He's got to be in his early 30s to mid 30s. I correct? mean, he's been in the league. He's 33. Yeah. He's 33 years old. He's been in the league since 2007. A lot of deep playoff runs. A lot of miles on him tires, which is you know, a, and a I don't wish a little little bit afraid of James Harden. He's made a couple deep runs as well. I I don't wish ill on anyone. I'm just saying predict you know predictability wise, you can't just expect a guy who's over two years missed a good amount of time to all of a sudden you know be able to put a bunch of games together in a row. And Brooklyn is still currently sitting at the eighth seed. So we'll worry about them making a play. The NBA NBA playoffs now are like half a season. It's a long time. And this is... It's 28 games. I mean, you're not going to go game seven, four, but you must. But they're they're condensed games. They're every other day. Correct. You don't get that rest period in between games, which I think has hurt Joel in the past. Yeah, he's in a different type of shape than he's been in. um, But I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you. I also think that, like, had Ben last year be more been willing to shoot at least, like, three more times a game, uh, they probably, you know, play Milwaukee in the conference final. Um, but that's neither here nor there. He uh, shot three more times than me. Yeah, I know, right? Um, all that being said... A lot is being made out of one game where a team shot exceptionally well. I'm not saying Brooklyn's a bad team. They shot way over what I think the expectation would be for any team. Um, whereas the Sixers shot way worse than the expectation for any team, and it was let's just call it, let's let's just call it what it is. It was an overhyped game in the middle of a schedule that means nothing. Brooklyn still sits at seed eight. They're still in danger of not making the playoffs. It means 
absolutely nothing at the end of the day. No, I loved it. I love the hype around it. I love the atmosphere around it. But at the end of the day, it's no more valuable than a game against Cleveland. No, let it go. Well, it came on the heels of beating a very good Bulls team. Yeah. But we forget about that. We forget about beating the Bulls. That, mean, that means nothing either. None, none of the games mean anything except the games we win or lose. When we win, when we win, it's, oh, it's only one game, dude. It's only one game. We, they, they, let, let me know when they win the, win the championship. You know, it, let me know when, when they win the championship. They, when they lose, it's the end of the world. The sky is falling. When they win, it's like, oh, they should have won. They had to win. You know, it's, it's, it's only one game, man. But you got you got to keep that same energy with losses, too. That's the edge sort of it all. Yep. You know, you can't, you, you can't be so pessimistic and so negative about a loss in a season, a regular season. And pish posh and, you know... I guess make feel less important the wins, which a lot of people do because we are in Negadelphia. This is true. So um, to wrap us out here, we're sitting here. There's about what twenty games left in the season. Eighteen games left in the season. Mm, I got the paper right in front of me. Actually, six or sit at forty twenty-five. So that's eighty-two minus seven. Uh, sixty-seven. Seventeen. 17 games. 17 games. So seven, 17 to go. 17 games left in the season. Um, who do you think wins the MVP? I think oh, Jokic is going to win it. Um, you and that's do. You not because that, that's not who I think should win it. I'm telling you who I think is going to win it. Hmm. I, I fear you might be right. I'm and still going to give it to Joel. And they I got that game against Denver upcoming, so hopefully that's um, on, hopefully on that means something. On that note, I also believe they're going to do what they did last year, and they're going to also they're going to give the MVP to Jokic, and then Embiid is going to end up on second team because you know, God forbid, one of them be listed as a forward. It's so absurd how much they hate the process. That's the only explanation. Because they would put AD at so forward. Ridiculous. It's absolutely so ridiculous, dude. Yeah. So that's my prediction for this I year. I don't under. I don't understand. I don't understand how they love. They hate the process, but they love super teams. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Um, it's, it's not aces, pal. I'll tell you that. It is not aces. So I think that we've covered a lot today. I think that we've covered a lot yes, today. Yes, we have. Where, where, where are we in time? Oh, we're coming up on an hour. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We, we're pretty much hitting the nail right on the head with where I would want to be. So, um, what I'm pitching to you, Bill, and we'll let the audience you know, know what I'm thinking. I'm pitching to you, Bill, that uh, The Undertaker is coming up on a Hall, hall of Fame induction. That hasn't happened yet, correct? No, it has not. Two weeks. Two, I think we're two weeks out. I think that when we get offline, you and I pick an Undertaker match per week <laughs> for a little bit, and we re we rewatch. That sounds interesting. I like that. That could get I, some uh, some play here. I think that the Undertaker. 
Oscar, like personally, I, I would imagine you'd agree, is the best wrestling character to ever be oh, made. By far. The best entrance. The best entrances that wrestling has ever had. Very true. And um, with him going, you know, and basically, you know, the heel that carried a ton of different faces. He um, was he was the uh, he was the cornerstone. He was the franchise. So in that regard, I think it would be fun. We can go through different eras. We can pick one. You know, we'll talk about it offline how we want to do it. But I think it would be fun to, to do them. Obviously, we're going to end up with some of the hits, right? We're not going to not watch Undertaker versus Mick Foley or Mankind, Hell in a Cell. You know, like, come on. Obviously, we're going to watch that. But, you have to. Yeah, it's... it's oh, God almighty, you have to. Right. But um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll pick some of those matches. We'll rewatch them. He's, he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it's, it's, it will be a good exercise because it keeps us on a theme. Um, and I don't know, does a bad Undertaker match exist? Yeah, there was that giant Gonzalez match at WrestleMania uh, 9, which was a stinker. All right, fair enough. That being said. King, when he fought King Kong Baloney, I believe, at a WrestleMania, that was kind of a stinker. I heard, I heard a story when he got back to, to the back after the, either, either or them previous matches stated, Gonzalez or Bundy. He just gave a death stare at like McMahon or Bruce Pritchard was like, "Why did you?" <laughs> whoever booked it, nonsense. Yeah, whoever booked it. Yeah, so, that was that was his that was his uh, mo for a while there. He was just fighting the big monsters that couldn't move. He couldn't right. really do what he does. Well, I mean, there's only but so many, right? There's only yeah. but so many guys of that size that can do what he does. So, which is what made not just the character gimmick entrance. It's what made the wrestler compelling. You know, if he, if he didn't have the other things, maybe that stuff does only takes you so far, you know. Um, so, I mean, we'll, it's a ridiculous we'll, gimmick when you look at it on its Oh, it's – well, how does it last that long? Like, we understand what? why it was a gimmick that worked when it was invented, you know, but it goes through and, you know, how many eras without much – I mean, there were some changes for – the wrestler, even though he kept the name, um, a quarter century, brother. Nonetheless, and a quarter century as a headliner, yeah. you know, and not a part timer. So you and I will talk offline. We'll leave the people with that. Um, you and I will talk offline about what what it is we you know some ideas we have. Off the line. Off the line. Until then, guys. Uh, Bill, I think you and I. This show will air Monday. I think that this will be a good time. To let, again, let you guys know we're recording Saturday afternoon. I think it's a good time for you and I to record. I think that we'll be on at minimum. Bill and I will be on every Monday. So um, until next Monday, um, when we're talking some Undertaker stuff, well, you'll hear from us then. Later on, baby.